Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Pound for Pound podcast here on the Fight Game Media Network. I'm your co-host, Carlos Toro, and joining me, and we'll get to that in a, in a second, but joining me for the last time in what may be an indefinite amount of time, it's Robert Silva. Robert, how are you doing? Good evening, Carlos, and good morning, and good afternoon to all the listeners whenever... Whatever time they're listening to us, yeah, Carlos is going ahead and uh, make the announcement that we'll be taking a hiatus at this point in time. This will be the last episode we do for the foreseeable future, and Carlos will will break it down and let you guys know why. Yeah, it's so. So first of all, I got nothing to you know. There's no not like there's any you know podcast co-host he. Not nothing of that. None of that sorts. I love Robert. <laughs> I love Robert. Oh no, love doing the show that, that, with him. Hey, um, the chemistry between us is undeniable, and uh, we both are going through some trying times right now. Carlos would would expound more on that. Yeah, um, you know, if you follow Robert uh, on on Twitter, and he, you know, he's gone at length uh, over you know the stuff he's dealing with. Um, me personally, I'm also kind of going through my own thing, uh, you know, but on a professional, on a personal, on a mental level, and and I think if you you know I, I've explained some of my mental health battles uh for a long time now i've you know i've been pretty open about that and you know right now it i sort of came to the decision that at this point in time it's i you know and it's not just a show it's covering boxing in general and i love the sport i love the sweet science so much that i want to you know just be covering it and just talking about it 24 to 7 but Right now, circumstances as they are, I'm not going to be able to do that. And the way I operate, I when I get a hold of something that I love doing, mm-hmm. I want to just keep do, going at it. Like, I just want to be able to make all the time in the world to do it. And, you know, for the last, I don't know, I guess it's now been five, six and a half years, almost six years, roughly. I can't remember off the top of my head, but... About six years, uh, I've been covering boxing, and it's been an amazing six years. But right now, circumstances dictate that I won't be able to dedicate the time that I want to to the sport. And instead of half-assing it and just doing it little by little, I'm just going to sort of take a break from boxing in general. Maybe I'll you know take up some other stuff, some other... Uh, ventures, but right now, we are going to take a bit of a hiatus. I don't know how long it's going to be. I don't know if it's permanent or temporary. I hope it's temporary. Maybe it'll be weeks. Maybe it'll be months. Maybe it'll be the rest of the year. I don't know, but with that being said, the thank you to everyone who uh, who's listened to the show. I'll, you know, every single one of you who download the show, who download all the shows on the Fight Game Media Network on the Fight Game Media Patreon. Uh, you have no idea what you guys mean to me and, and to Robert. And mm-hmm. if this is gonna be the last show for a very for for a while, uh, Robert, uh, let's get right down to it. Let's give this the best possible show that for these folks. If this is gonna be the last one of a while, let's just get on with it. Hey, be- before we get on to this week's show. I want to piggyback on what Carlos just said. Carlos, you're three years younger than my recently departed son. One of the things he could never deal with was being overwhelmed. When he was overwhelmed, he would try too hard and would get him in in in, in a situation that became even more overwhelming. So, look, you're very young. You have the rest of your life to look forward to. Uh, eventually, one day, you have a beautiful woman. That you're, that you're with currently, you may want to start a family. You got to have your head together to do that. So please, you're doing the right thing right now, getting your priorities together. Your mental health always is first because you can't do any of this. Cover boxing, uh, uh, take care of a family, start a family without your mental faculties in place. So I applaud you for this because a lot of people your age hide that and think, oh, man, um, I'm being soft if if I take care if, if I can't deal with 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 uh 
with, with this pain I feel inside my the pit of my stomach. So I appreciate you for understanding this and realizing that. And I know things will work out for you in the long run, big man. And 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 I want to thank the audience too for the well wishes. I mean, the love was overwhelming the last few weeks after my son passed. I could not have gotten through what I'm going through right now if it wasn't for many of the listeners that reached out to me on the show. So, Carlos, go ahead and do what you got to do. Start. The- yeah, and before I do, Robert, you're you kind of cut out at the very end. I think your mic got a. That's okay. I said what I had to say before my <laughs> mic cut out. Go ahead, do your thing, baby. Uh, all right. <laughs> so. This past week, we got, you know, I guess official word uh, of not one, but two major fights taking, this, uh, taking place in the span of three days, essentially. The first one, uh, we actually technically kind of covered it and kind of broke mm-hmm. it down uh, at the end of last show because it was literally right as we were uh, yep. closing things off. But officially, Naoya Inoue versus Donny to Donaire 2 in Saitama, Japan, on June 7th, the rematch is officially happening. Uh, ESPN more than likely going to carry the the, the and, five and, more. and ladies and gentlemen, that's a Tuesday morning. Yeah. Tuesday morning, June 7th. Yes. It's, it is a Tuesday morning for those of you who don't have your calendars ready. And it's funny. So we had – so right before uh, I was going on the air with Gary Gonzalez, the head honcho at Fight Game Media for Bruce News – uh, last week on the uh, special WrestleMania preview, uh, he wanted me to talk about the fights that were announced. After, before we went on the air, I, I told him that the fights are happening within three days of each other and that Inoue versus Donaire 2 is taking place on a Tuesday. And he was so confused and so befuddled that such a major fight is taking place on, on, on a Tuesday of all places. But it's taking place well, in Japan. Well, the first fight... The first fight took place on a Thursday morning. So we talked about this last episode, how uh, there have been many major fights in in the history of Japanese boxing that happened during the weekday, not the weekend. Yeah. So, you know, it's not 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 a real surprise, not a real shocker uh, that this fight is taking place on on a Tuesday, to be honest. And, you know, it's a big it's a, such a big fight. Uh, we don't know the exact platform that this fight is going to take place on, whether it's on ESPN+, Plus, whether it's on ESPN, or both. I don't know. Uh, I, I assume as we get closer to the date, we'll know. We're all, we're two months away. It, 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 would, it would be ludicrous not to put this on ESPN. If they put this on ESPN+, Plus on a Tuesday morning, that's horrible. That's just horrible. Yeah, I mean, no, no offense to the... The great 6 a.m. programming at ESPN. I, I think it's only just sports and reruns at that time because I don't think yeah, that takes place at that There's time. Nothing so. else. There's <laughs> nothing else because uh, first fake, I'm calling that. that I, I did not make a, a error there. First fake doesn't come on to what, 10 a.m.? So they got plenty of time to show this fight. You're not, not a fan of uh, first take with Bring on a Mad Dog? Uh, uh, let's continue talking because <laughs> I can talk. <laughs> So the second fight that was announced shortly after, I believe, the podcast was out last week, George Cambosos versus Devin Haney is officially happening for the undisputed lightweight title. It's going to take place in Melbourne, Australia, going to air in the U.S. on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. How they're going to carry this? So it will take place in U.S. primetime on June 4th. But in mm-hmm. Australia, it's going to be early afternoon, June 5th. June 5th. Yeah. So if you guys remember the playbook that ESPN did with the Manny Pacquiao, Jeff Horn, yep. fly from five years uh, from uh, – yeah, it was five years ago. Uh, five years it ago. It is right. exactly mm-hmm. what they are doing. Uh, it worked out. You know, Manny Pacquiao fighting on ESPN television produced massive ratings. And given the – Historical implications, and given the two names, even though neither guy has sort of headlined a, a television show, they've, they've headlined plenty of streaming cards, but never headlined mm-hmm. a massive cable television fight. I have a sinking feeling this is going to be this is going to get a lot of eyeballs into the into the television sets. How often in the history of boxing? 
And look, I'm I'm I I can't think of another time in the history of boxing where two major fights happened within the three day a two to three day period, like the two fights you're gonna have in Australia and Japan on that side of the world. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, we've had plenty of, you know, same day Saturday boxing days where we've had plenty of major fight cards, but it's it is rare that we get, yeah. you know, on a Saturday a major card in Australia and Tuesday a major card in We're, we're in talking Japan. about two two unification fights in a 3-day period on that side of the planet. Yeah, and both carried by ESPN in the United States. So, I mean, yep. Yep. kudos to Top Rank for essentially getting this together. Part of the deal with this uh, Cambosas Haney fight is the fact that Haney has now signed with Top Rank uh, on a multi-fight basis. The it's a it's a four-fight deal, right? The that that is sort of the the number the, what is being reported. The idea is if Haney wins the fight. There's going to be a rematch, and it's also going to take place in Australia. Uh, you know, massive kudos to Devin Haney for taking this fight. Massive kudos to him. Massive kudos to George Cambosas for, you know, first wanting to get Vasily Lomachenko. And by all intents and purposes, that fight was essentially done. But given the situation mm-hmm. in Ukraine, it's understandable mm-hmm. why that fight fell through. And he could have taken a, you know, a, a weaker fighter in the interim. But no, he instead took on... Devin Haney, who is a lot. I, I don't even, I'm not sure you can even say he's a live dog because a lot of people view him as the favorite to win this fight. I, 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 I'm, I'm picking, man, I'm picking Haney to win. And matter of fact, last week, if the, for those who listen, I made a prediction and I'm going to repeat that prediction, reiterate it right now. Please do. Haney's got a four, four fight deal with top rank that we're hearing. This is what I think the four fights will be. He beats Cambosis A in the, in the first fight. He beats Cambosis B in the rematch. He beats an aging Lomachenko a year from now. And then the fourth and final fight, a major pay-per-view fight versus a coming up in weight class, Shakur Stevenson. All right. Haney's going to make some major money with these four fights. I love it because it's about time. Haney was mismanaged by Eddie Hearn. I love Eddie Hearn, but he totally dropped the ball on De- Devin Haney's career. And right now, Haney's with the perfect promoter. Look, everybody knows the disdain I have for Bob Arum, but Haney's in the right place right now. At 135, the guy to be with is Bob Arum and Tom Wake. I can't argue because look at who he could fight. Cambosas, Lomachenko, uh, Stevenson. I'm... There you go. And if he wins all four fights, it's going to be a hard task. But let's say, let's just say for shits and giggles, he wins all four fights. He's in the Hall of Fame right then and there. Uh, I'm inclined to sort of agree with you on that. Obviously, he's very young, but that kind of run, that is a incredible run, especially if, you know, Shakur beats Oscar Valdez. And I think you and I both agree that we think he was going to beat Oscar Valdez. And... Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing now, and and I don't think it's as unlikely as some people might think when you mention this type of stuff. I mean, first of all, I mean, obviously, PBC does a great job with making fights between champions and top stars. They do a great job at doing that. They prove it time and time again. Top rank is not that far behind, especially if you got champion versus champion. And you have it in the same promotional stable. Mm-hmm. Even though mm-hmm. Top Rank does take a little bit more time to make those kinds of fights than I personally would prefer. But they eventually do them. We're getting Shakur versus Oscar Valdez. We're more than likely going to get Arthur Berbiev versus Joe Smith Jr. We just had, you know, Josh Taylor versus Jose Ramirez last year for an undisputed title. Mm-hmm. We had, mm-hmm. you know, Crawford becoming undisputed at 140 a few years back on ESPN. So Top Rank knows how to make uh, big fights between its top champions. It sometimes just takes a while, but I don't think it's unreasonable to think that that could be a potential four-fight roadmap for Devin Haney. 
it's it's easily made. And one thing I give Aram credit is he puts the fighters together, and he's done that more and more, like you just mentioned recently. And I mean, kudos to Devin Haney. The man is a special fighter. He signed with the right guy, and he's it. it the ball's in his court right now to have a special run, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a fantastic summer of boxing. I mean, it's there's a lot of great boxing fights that are ha- that are planned out for the summer. I mean, we don't even have the official announcement, but it's essentially going to happen. You know, the rematch between Usyk Anthony, and, you, yeah, Usyk, Anthony Joshua yeah. Alexander Usyk, because Usyk said, said he's now prepping for that rematch, and you know, it's going to happen in the summer. It's going to happen in the summer more than likely. So, man. It's such going to be a great, great year for boxing so far, and it's the next few months are just going to be so good. They're re- they really are, and 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 that's a perfect segue into this weekend, which is a great weekend of boxing. The only negative is you have so many great fights on at the same time. That's really upsetting. They they boxing needs to do better when it comes to scheduling of uh, fights on the weekend. You didn't have to have three fight cards. At the same time on three different networks. No, they you don't. And we've been over this time and time again. And it almost does. And it feels like this point just falls on deaf ears because how many times have we said, "Hey, here's a big boxing show, and here's another one, and wait, here's another one. They're all at the same time. What the hell? We we can't have. And we're going to go through the same thing in three weeks when Shakur Stevenson. Oscar Valdez, where well, we just mentioned that fight, uh, go up at the same time uh, with uh, Serrano and Taylor. God, man, and and it's ridiculous. It, it's just so hard because, like, they're both equally great fights. Like, I don't want to have to pick one Look, or the other. You could have put you could have put one fight on Friday and the other on. I don't know why a lot of promoters do not look at Friday night. They always concentrate on Saturday. Carlos, you remember? When you first started watching boxing as a young boy in the early two th- early to mid two thousands, Friday night cards were very very regular. Now it's irregular. It, I mean, in the nineties, HBO and Showtime had many many Friday night cards, and then of course you had Friday night fights on ESPN. Nowadays, I mean, Dazone did do some um has done. Some um Friday night cards and the zone over the last few years, but not as many as they could take advantage of, especially on a weekend like 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 this weekend. You could you could have put one of those cards on on Friday night. Doesn't make any sense. Right. And so there's three boxing shows happening as Robert said almost at the same time on the zone, on Showtime, and on ESPN. But before we get to the night cards on Saturday. I think it's fair to say potentially the fight that we're both looking for, at least certainly I'm looking forward to the most personally, is going to take place very early in the morning on Saturday. The biggest fight of the weekend is what time will that fight? Is scheduled at 6.30 in the morning? Eastern time? I have on, and I have the the Zone app right now opened. It says here, Mm -hmm. Gennady Golovkin versus Ryota Murata. The fight card starts at 5.10 a.m. Eastern on right. Saturday morning. So it's not a daunting task on the East Coast for the, uh, waking up at uh, at 5 in the morning to be able to watch this card. I feel bad for the West Coast people because they're going to have to wake up at 2 or stay up until 2. No, just stay just stay up. Never mind going to sleep. Just stay up. <laughs> and then when the card is over, sleep through, uh, sleep through the morning and wake up Saturday afternoon. <laughs> so Gennady Golovkin, Ryoto Murata for the unified IBF and WBA Super Championship at middleweight. This fight was supposed to take place last year, late last year, but COVID just kind of essentially forced Japan to say nope and really kind of cut down, cut a lot of big boxing fights uh, for December, which is usually a pretty big time a pretty important time for Japan Japanese boxing at the time as far as the end of the year but now it's happening my thoughts on this fight are remain the same 
as they were when this fight was first announced last year. Golovkin on paper is the better fighter, but given mm-hmm. the age, given the inactivity, and granted, Ryota Morata is no spring chicken. He's also been inactive, but for Golovkin, he's been pretty inactive. He, ha- he has not fought since, I want to say, November 2020, when he fought mm-hmm. uh, Camille Sar- Sarameta in Florida in front of nobody, because it was when <laughs> there were it still no pandemic. crowds and. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. For boxing shows, and even though he looked great, he looked—he came out in tremendous shape. He just dominated Camille Sarameta, did not play around, and just stopped him, uh, as we all expected. It is fair to ask how would he fare against an actual great middleweight? Because we haven't seen that since essentially the Sergey Davidovichenko fight. He hasn't really. You know, let, let's be honest, he hasn't exactly shown how his body will react uh, against those type of fighters and against that type of punishment. And as much as we have noticed that Sergei Dervianchenko is the shell of his former self, mm-hmm. I think it's fair to ask the same of Triple G. I mean, and, and I love Gennady Golovkin, but Ryota Murata does present a lot of tools that can potentially uh, frustrate Gennady Golovkin. Murata, if you allow him to dictate the pace of the action, he's a very aggressive fighter. It's a very, very good repertoire as far as body punches. His left hand is very devastating. He, mm-hmm. been, he creates a lot of pressure, a lot of forward momentum with the way he sets up his punches or the way he's capable of hurting, uh, hurting fighters in you know, with body shots and the left hand is just an absolutely devastating shot, uh, devastating punch that Ryota Murata has. But at the same time, Murata is a bit of a you know hot and cold type of fighter because if he isn't on his A game and if he isn't the one dictating the pace of the action, he's a pretty beatable fighter. And on the flip side, if Murata is not at 100% and doesn't go into the fight on his A-game, this could potentially be a, a quick night for Murata because Golovkin mm-hmm. creates a, uh, is also a devastating body puncher and his jab is still pretty good, even at this mm-hmm. stage of his career. And Murata doesn't have the greatest defense in the world when it comes to the jab. Mm-hmm. So, it honestly, to me, this fight yep. will depend on who gets to dictate the action first and who imposes their will on whom first. If it's Golovkin and Murata has no answer, then it's going to be a quick night. But if it's Murata, then this could be a very long, grueling fight for the both of them. And at that point, I think it's a bit of a toss-up and I think it's fair to sort of wonder how Golovkin would uh, look in front of a in front of the judges in Japan. In in Murata's home uh, home country, Carlos, your analysis is on point, on point, perfect analysis. I look at it the same way, and I I bring it down to this: Is are we going to get the Murata against Brant the first fight, or are we going to get Mur- the Murata against Brant the second fight? If we get Murata or Brant the first fight, Triple G puts him in the hospital. If we get the Murata that fought Brant the second fight. I see a 12-round war in a fight that can go either way. And in a close fight, Murata's going to get the decision. It's in Japan. I'm going to make this prediction. I'm going to predict Murata in an upset in a very close 12-round war, which will be a candidate for fight of the year. And uh, Murata wins by split decision. Murata wins by split decision. And we get a rematch later on in the year. That'd be... oh man. If we get a rematch and the first fight ends up yes. being great, that means yeah. sign me up. <laughs> I don't care if we miss out on Canelo Triple G3. At this point, I honestly am fine if it never happens. But if he loses to Murata, let's just say the the unthinkable happens. He loses to, loses to Murata. Canelo would be a fool to fight Triple G in a rematch. A lot of the luster will be taken off. People will assume... That Triple G is 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 by the way, 
I love that you brought up the Derevchenko not being the same fighter he used to be. Could it be that that fight, that war between Triple G and Derevchenko, took whatever was left out of both fighters? Because Derevchenko hasn't been the same since that fight. No, he has not. No, uh, I mean, Golovkin. There and, will and look, not be there will not be a push for that fight if he loses to Morata. No, and and granted, look, Golovkin has only fought Camille uh, Serrameta since the Derevchenko fight. Yep. Let's be perfectly yep. honest. We really do not know don't, how Golovkin know. really looks against a quality fighter since we won't that know Saturday morning. Fight. You will not know until Saturday morning. Um, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, uh, 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 Carlos. It's either one or the other. Either Triple G blasts him within three, four rounds, or it's a 12-round epic war. <laughs> There's no in-between. <laughs> Contrary to what I have just been saying, I do believe that Golovkin will win, and I think he might, and I'm going to go out on a limb. It just gets the feeling, and I don't even know how I can explain it, but I think Golovkin stops Murata in the 11-12 round. I think it's going to be a great fight, and I think Golovkin stops. He has to. He has to knock him out. He cannot let this fight go to the scorecards. He cannot. No, no, and, you know, let's be honest. Against top opposition, never mind the Vanis Matarosians, the Steve Rolls, the Camille Saramettas, let's look at the all of his tough, his biggest fights in the last few years. Danny Jacobs, Derevchenko, Canelo twice. Twice. All, you know, all those fights since 2017 all went to the scorecards. And in only and one of those fights, Golovkin scored a knockdown. Fights, and all four of those fights could have gone either way. <laughs> they really could have. Yeah. So I think it is fair to to question, you know, does Golovkin have another 12-round uh, another war in him? And, you know, and I'm not saying this because, you know, I doubt Triple G's greatness. I, you know, he's phenomenal, but oh, he's we a first he hasn't been tested since Derevianchenko, and that was almost three yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes it all that much more an intriguing matchup, an intriguing fight. And ladies and gentlemen, do what you can. West Coast, stay out all night, watch the fight. East Coast, set your alarm for 5 a.m. in the morning, which I'll be doing, and boom, watch what could be an all time great middleweight fight. And a unification fight. The undercard, especially the top of the undercard, is really I- I- intriguing. Junto Nakatani versus Ryota Yamauchi for the WBO flyweight title. Nakatani is maybe the best under the radar fighter at 112 pounds in the world today. His hey, lead- I agree with you that he's the best flyweight in the world right now. I agree with you on that. <laughs> and I agree with you. If you haven't watched him fight yet, he's another reason to set your alarm for 5 in the morning. Yeah. Nakatani is an incredible special talent. He's only 24 years old. He's coming off the win against Angel Acosta last September in Arizona, which, man, shame that fight ended the way it did because, you know, that had the cap- the making to be a yep. really, really fun fight and kind of got cut short. Uh, shame that a rematch didn't happen, but... Oh, well, he's going up against Ryota Yamauchi, who's another very strong puncher, who's a very, very solid fighter. His only loss was to Wulan Tuolahasi, the former Chi- the Chinese former world champion. And, you know, this could be... I'm not going to say that this is a guarantee win for Junta Nakatani, because I do think Ryota Yamauchi could potentially present some problems. I think it's going to be a barn burner of a fight. I really do. Uh, yes, it will. And, you know, that's not even... The, I, I could be wrong, but I don't think that's the co-main event. I could be wrong, but I don't think that's the co-main event. What, uh, is, what is the co-main event? Uh, I know I, the very the other massive marquee fight is uh, on the undercard. Or not massive, but it's a marquee fight. Yu, uh, Yuichiro Yoshino versus y- Masayuki Ito uh, for the OPBF lightweight title. Yoshino is an unbeaten prospect who uh, is just turned 30 and he doesn't have a whole ton of time 
uh, you know, as far yeah, as his physical it's, it's, physical peak is concerned. But yep. he's a Ooh. solid, solid fighter. He's been able to go the distance uh, in 12-round fights in the past. And this is a good step up for, for Yoshino. Masayuki Ito has... Uh, his career has been sort of up and down since the loss of Jamel Herring a few years ago. He's 2-1. and one. He had a, a shocking... Uh, majority decision lost to Hironori Mishiro a couple of years ago, but he's bounced back with uh, with a a round ten, uh, TKO win over Valentine Hosokawa. So I'm curious to see where does Masayuki Ito stand because it's been mixed results in his move to 135, but this could be a very interesting crossroads fight if Yoshino wins. This could be the start of a yep. run mm-hmm. at a. Well, it's gonna be tough to say, you know, a run at a world title given the state of the division. But he'll. But this a is the start of him division. making plenty of noise. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, this is the epitome of a crossroads fight. Great card, man! Damn, kudos, kudos to the promoters for this incredible card. Yeah, I mean Akihiko Konda. Uh, Honda uh, does a really good job when it comes to their big shows. And uh, right now, I have five fights listed. I don't know if the zone is going to I only, air all of I them. I think I think only three fights are being aired if the show starts at five ten in the morning. It's, They're not airing all all five fights. Yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping it's those three fights that get aired. Um, so uh, all in all, if it's just a the top three fights, I expect it to be maybe about a two and a half hour show. Two, two and a half hour show, mm-hmm. which I'm totally fine with. Some good Saturday morning boxing that's going to lead into what's going to be an extremely busy triple header of fights on Saturday. Uh, real quick, we do have the um, Jennifer, uh, Michaela Mayer, Jennifer Hahn fight on ESPN, which is going to be a very, very solid fight for the unified Super Featherweight titles. It's going to take place in California. And the undercard is a solid one. We got Giovanni Santillan going up against Giovanni's Barraza. We also got the Maloney brothers, Andrew and Jason mm-hmm. Maloney. Uh, they're back. They're always fun to sort of look uh, uh, fun to watch. They're both great guys. I've spoken with the Maloney brothers in the past. They're very, very good. They're very fun guys to talk to. Uh, Andrew Maloney is going to begin. Uh, Gilberto Mendoza in you know his journey to get to reach the top of the super flyweight division again. It's hey, gonna- Carlos, Carlos, mm-hmm. real quick. I wish that was the WBA president. You could have put him out the path. <laughs> <laughs> God, I've you have no idea how many times people I've seen people make that joke and or mistake. Oh my God! When I first saw that, I thought it was a typo. I was like, oh, "Wait a minute, this this got to be a mistake." No, there's actually a fighter named Gilberto Mendoza. Yeah. <laughs> so and we now we and we also got uh, Jason Maloney, uh, also on the ESPN Plus undercard going up against Francisco Pedrosa. Uh, Maloney, Jason, I, I should say. Jason Maloney has been on a pretty good run since the loss to uh, Naoya Inoue. He's gone, uh, Naoya Inoue. got the uh, win against Joshua Greer last year. A very, very good win. Uh, yeah. That essentially kind of put him near the t- back near the top of the bandwidth contenders list. And Yep. You know, I don't doubt that Jason is potentially going to be getting a, another world title shot at some point in the future. I just don't know when. And then we also got, you know, Duke Reagan, the uh, Tokyo Olympic silver medalist, uh, back in the uh, in the ring. I think this is his first fight since winning the silver medal. He'll be on the undercard. Luis Alberto Lopez. The mandatory challenger, or I guess, I well, I don't know if he's a mandatory challenger, uh, but he is the the top contender to Josh Warrington's featherweight title. He is actually going to be fighting on the undercard in a stay busy fight. So anybody wondering 
How would Joshua Warrington fare against Luis Alberto Lopez? Saturday on ESPN Plus, you'll have a pretty good idea of the kind of fighter Lopez is because he's going to be on that ESPN Plus undercard. Uh, overall, I think it's a interesting, it's a decent undercard. For Michaela Mary and Jennifer Hahn, this is a... I don't want to say that this is a stay busy fight, but I think it's fair to say that the bigger fight for Mikhail Meyer out there is with one Alicia Bumgardner, who has mm-hmm. been, who just had that amazing win over Terry Harper last November, and at this point, it's essentially a you know that is the fight to make. So yep. Mayer yep. go up against Jennifer Hahn who is no slouch by no stretch of the imagination. She, I mean, she was dominated by Katie Taylor in her last fight, but prior to that, she had been a world champion at featherweight. She's been at the top of the mountain in the past, but she hasn't won a fight in more than two years. So, and I always want, and I always do wonder about fighters going in their first fight since losing to Katie Taylor. More often than not, they don't actually they don't come out, you know, uh, all the better. But mm-hmm. there've been some occasions where fighters been able to bounce back and learn from that loss. I guess the two biggest examples are, you know, Natasha Jonas who's amazingly enough an hour world champion at 154 pounds and also Jessica McCaskill, who's the undisputed mm-hmm. champion at 147. So perhaps fortunes could be uh, reversed for one Jennifer Hunt. But McCullough Meyer is such a impressive fighter. And her style is a little bit unorthodox, given her, st- her length and her size. Because she is a fighter who physically just is so imposing but instead of boxing at length and using her jab, she opts to go for more inside fighting and loves to engage in five right, which makes for tremendous television. But it does sometimes put her at risk uh, getting caught with something big. But Meyer has to team to sort of help her and guide her in those types of situations. And I don't see Jennifer Hahn, you know beating Michaela Meyer if, you know, someone like Maiva Hamadouche wasn't able to do so. And Meyer essentially dominated that fight, and Maiva was essentially her toughest fight up until that point. Mm-hmm. So, I expect Michaela Meyer to win this one, and hopefully, hopefully, mm-hmm. we get down the road later this year the unification fight against Elisha Bumpgartner. Where do you fight. where do you think that fight will take place if and when it happens? Uh, Alicia Baumgartner versus Michaela. I venture it probably go. I, I would put it in Vegas. I think they would put it in, in, in makes Vegas. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Now we also got on the zone Ryan Garcia making his return to the ring. First time in fifteen months. Still be in action against Emmanuel Tago. Uh, this is. There's a lot of intriguing storylines regarding Ryan Garcia. Obviously, this is the first fight since the split with Eddie Reynoso. He's now under a new trainer with Joe Goosen. Garcia uh, coming out of that tremendous win over Luke Campbell. He got dropped early in the fight and bounced back with a sensational knockout midway through the fight. But it's been 15 months. Has the time between... This coming Saturday in January of 2021 has it essentially erase all that momentum that Ryan created for himself. How is he mentally? Because he's kind of stepped away from the ring, you know, because of uh uh because of his mental health, and then ascent and then had surgery for I believe a wrist injury later on in the year last year. So there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of things to sort of wonder about Ryan Garcia. I'm not entirely convinced Emmanuel Tego is the guy that will answer all those questions unless, you know, Tego beats him, in which case it's back to square one. But I am of the opinion, Robert, that I think this partnership between Ryan and Joe 
is going could be pretty beneficial to Ryan. I mean, a lot of people were, in my opinion, wrong when they were saying that you know Ryan couldn't ta- couldn't take the heat w- uh, training under Eddie Reynoso. He doesn't. He couldn't stand being in that. Like he just wants to be on Instagram all day. Like I think that's you know pretty bad takes because we know the type of trainer Joe Goosen can be. Ryan knows the type of trainer Joe Goosen is because they've worked together in the past. So if people are thinking Ryan is expecting an, an easy pass because he's not with Eddie Reynoso and with Joe Goosen, then they really don't know the type of trainer Joe Goosen is going to be. But If you, know, if you notice, Carlos, Joe Goosen has trained fighters similar to Ryan Garcia throughout his career. You, you look at the bevy of world champions he's trained, uh, Diego Corrales, uh, the uh, Ruelas brothers. They all have similar styles to Ryan Garcia. Uh, he might be a better fit for Ryan than Reynoso. And, and I said this when, they, when that uh, partnership first came up, but I look at it this way. Ed Reynoso was building Ryan to be a very good well-rounded fighter, but Joe knows how to tap into a fighter's strengths and enhance it. Exactly. But the exactly. but the drawback is that it may it may come a little bit at the cost at maybe not developing some of his weaker uh facets of boxing. His you know primarily his defense. And yeah, his Joe defense, is yeah. no offense to Joe. He's not exactly a defensive savant no, as far he's, as training. He's, He's all offense. The guys I mentioned, none of those guys were <laughs> defensively efficient. Uh, and uh, Corrales completely abandoned his jab once he went with Goosen because Goosen. Damn, Mike. <laughs> it's not a uh, it's not a pound for pound podcast, but also Mike Troubles. <laughs> But I think I kind of get what uh, what Robert was going for. And good. good. One last thing I want to mention: if you look with Diego Corrales, Diego Corrales was never a good defensive fighter. He had a, a solid jab be, uh, under his father, but once he left his father, to go to Goosen, he totally abandoned the jab as Goosen concentrated on his incredible power. And if you if you saw, uh, and he died at the age of thirty in a horrific car accident. His career was already over before that car accident because of the amount of punishment he took, starting with that first epic fight with uh, Jose Luis Castillo. Right, and I guess the best uh, the best case scenario is that you know Joe develops Ryan into such a devastating offensive fighter, and he can be, which which he which which he has all the ability to be. The man has bricks in both hands. Right. So maybe, you know, will Garcia now be a, a great defensive fighter? Probably not, but he no. probably could be so good, at, such a great puncher. His natural speed, his power, his, you know, his shot placement that, you know, in some fights, maybe he can get away with not being such a great defensive fighter. So, and one last thing I want to add before we go on to the, to the undercard, uh, do not count out Emmanuel. T- uh, how do you say his last name? Tegal? I, I've or heard Tego. Tego. Okay. Emmanuel Tego lost his first professional fight and has won 32 straight fights since losing his first pro fight. Historically, when a fighter goes on that type of run, he is hard to beat because yes. they've already suffered a loss. They know how to deal with lo- a loss and adversity. It's not going to be an easy fight for Garcia. Uh, Tego is a very solid, uh, skilled fighter. I'm picking Garcia, but it's not going to be easy. And I don't know if he knocks out Tego, 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 because if you see, if you've seen historically, fighters from his part of the world have incredible chins and incredible stamina, and this will be a very exciting fight. This could be the sleeper fight of the weekend. The undercard is pretty interesting. 
I, I'm gonna be honest, the fight, I'm, I'm actually kind of hoping, uh, looking forward to the most, even more so than the main event. Marlon Esparza versus Naoko Fujioka to un uh, for the unified WBA, WBC, and Ring Magazine flyweight titles. Esparza, a sensational fighter who's really exploded over the last year or so, uh, you know, got the, she won the WBC flyweight title uh last december and has uh not not last december last uh june i, I should say june and june, she's right, looked right. she has looked great uh looked pretty good since the uh, loss to anisa estrada another another star that golden boy has right now so that's so she's looked great she's got the wins over uh, Ibev, uh zamora zilva and annabelle ortiz in her last couple of fights and defending that flyweight title and Naoko fujioka if you haven't heard of her, I don't necessarily blame you because she her career has been mainly in Japan. Mm. Her accomplishments are unbelievable. First ever Japanese fighter to win a title in four weight classes, if I have it correctly. She's won the WBC middleweight title. She's won titles at super flyweight, at bantamweight, at flyweight, at light flyweight. My, my mistake, first uh, first Japanese fighter to win five uh, yeah, because, divisional uh, titles. Because Inouye's won four. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, she has, her career is... Absolutely impressive. It's incredible. And she's coming out of the win against Sulem Morbina uh, last year. Got the, uh, and she had a split draw against Ten uh, Tenkai Tsunami, who is another Japanese fighter with a, with a tremendous career and a, a bevy of accomplishments. But Fujioka, even at 46 years old, could still potentially be arguably one of the best fighters in the world right now at flyweight. I don't think this is going to be an easy fight for Marlon Esparza. I think this could be a a long drawn out but pretty exciting all things considered 10 round fight between these two. I I'm very I excited got, for this one. It's going to be a very very good fight and I agree with you it's going to go all 10 rounds. I got Esparza winning because eventually Mother Nature and Father Time win, and this could be the night where it finally ends that great run. So I'm going with a sponsor by a tough, unanimous decision. I, I'm i going to go with Esparza by a, a, a close decision as well. Also on the undercard, Gabe Rosado, Jr., uh, Gabe Rosado is back in the ring against Shane Mosley Jr., that's a name you we haven't heard in uh in, Man, in a hot Shane Mosley Jr. is hot trash. Uh Rosado, if he loses to Mosley Jr., he should retire. He's got no business losing to Mosley Jr. Mosley Jr. All right. He's a step above Nico Ali Walsh and Edgar Belanga. Whoopsie damn do. He's not that good. He's not that good. He um Rosado is a true professional. Rosado should be able to knock out Mosley Jr. Um, because uh, Rosado doesn't lose to fighters like Mosley Jr. So, well, my prediction is Rosado finally puts an end to Mosley Jr.'s um, dream of ever doing anything in boxing. Mosley Jr. is what I said when he turned pro several years ago. Perfect example of a kid who was born in a mansion with silk sheets. And 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 a maids and butlers, you, you got to be hungry to be a great fighter. You want to bring up Tim Zhu? Tim Zhu split with his father over a decade ago, went on his own path, and that hunger allowed him to become the fighter he is today. Mosley Jr. has always been with his father. He's always had the luxury of a of a of, of a fighter that wants for nothing. So in the long run. He's never going to be a great fighter because he never had that hunger. And as you can see from his career so far, he's a very limited fighter. Yeah, I mean, of the times that I've seen Gabe Rosado, and I'm talking about you know the him fighting all the way back in 2017 on the uh, on the undercard of that Manny Pacquiao Jeff Horn fight wasn't didn't not came out impressed. I saw his run. All the way to the, the finals of the contender, which is dominated by Brandon Adams and his most recent fight against Jason Quigley. He just doesn't quite have it. 
And we've seen Gabe Rosado, you know, knock out the likes of Beck the Bully mm-hmm. and be in some tough, tough fights against fighter levels above uh, Shane yep. Mosley Jr. So I would, I am, I would be very surprised if Gabe Rosado wins. Now you can. You mean if Gabe Rosado loses? Uh, Gabe Rosado, yeah, Gabe Rosado <laughs> should win. Yeah. So right now, I'm just looking at this, and you know, Gabe has he's always a fun, fun watch. You know, even though he's something, you know, he's been in big fights, he's lost most of them. Uh, but I also expect, uh, but but the one thing about Gabe Rosado is that he always finds a way to bounce back from a loss. I mean, rem- let's remember the l- knockout win against Back to Bullying, against Back to Miramelikusiev, that came uh, after he lost to Danny Jacobs. And, you know, and that fight, let's, we, we, should, we shan't talk about back in 2020 that some argue that he mm. should have won. But regardless, we've seen that he is the guy who can bounce back. So I don't think losing to Jaime Munguia... Uh, nope. Last November is going to really play a role in how Gabe Rosado is going to look. Now, uh, I say this, but let's at the same time, he has 36 and he's been in some wars, but I don't think this is the fight that we're going to see all no. of that creep up on him. His his career will end at the at the hands of an up and coming great prospect, not against a run of the mill son of a legend who's only in the ring because he's the son of of a legend. Rest of the undercard. If I am reading this correctly off a of box rec, we got George Rincon against Alejandro Frias, Gregory Morales versus Katsuma Akitsugi, Hector Valdez versus Daniel uh, Kalula Moncada. A lot of undefeated prospects on this card. World title fights on the undercard. It's just, you know, overall, it's a good, good card in my opinion. So that's the card on the zone. And then lastly, we got a hell of a Showtime card. Just a phenomenal uh, main event between Erickson Lubin and Sebastian hey, Fundor for the Before interim. you continue, Carlos, if I was a boxing fan, which we are, mm-hmm. take my advice. You watch the Showtime card live, you DVR the ESPN card, and if you have the Zone app, you watch that last, okay? There you go. But the Showtime card should be should be watched live because Carlos is about to run down this sensational card. Erickson Lubin, Sebastian Fundura for the interim WBC junior middleweight title. Whoever wins becomes the mandatory challenger to the WBC title currently being held by Jermel Charlo. Could potentially get the winner after this fight or later down this uh, later down the road this year. Undercard, Tony Harrison versus Sergio Garcia. Excellent crossroads fight mm-hmm. at 154 pounds. And Kevin Salgado, Sombrano, uh, undefeated prospect, going up against Bryant Perella, who made the jump to 154 pounds last year and got the draw against Tony Harrison. But when you look that back was, at the fight, that was a robbery. He Perella have- should have won that fight, yeah. in my opinion. Yep. And in both our opinions, I guess I, sh- I should say. Yep. Uh, this is a pretty hunt. This is a junior middleweight heavy card, which you know could potentially give us a lot of good action. I mean, the undercard alone. I mean, neither guy, uh, no one on the undercard, whoever wins, is gonna factor into world title conversations yet. But you can do something where. Maybe you either yeah, the winners of both of these two fights face off against each other down the line on another Showtime card or on, another, on a PBC show down the line, which would make for a really, really good fight. And then you got Erickson Lubin versus Sebastian Fundora. Who would have thought that years ago when we saw this lanky six foot, whatever the number is in, as far as engine, six foot five, six foot six, six foot seven. I can't remember off the top of my head right now. <laughs> I think he's six six. <laughs> uh, Sebastian Fundora, the tallest 154 pounder I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought that that guy is on the cusp of potentially challenging for a world title? It is not even, you know, because he, he, you know, he got some lucky wins. Or no, he Vendora is legit. 
despite everything that we are led to believe about a fighter like that with his size, such a lanky fighter, Fundora defies a lot of our uh, conceptions, preconceived conceptions of fighters with that type of frame because Fundora is lanky, but he but he's not afraid to get on the inside. He's very strong, deceptively strong, I might add. He's still not fully polished, but I think he's gone farther than what a lot of people would immediately think when they look at him and just brush him off as a gimmick. Fundora is for real, and Lubin is the toughest challenge of Fundora's career. Because Lubin has been on a roll since that loss to Jermel Charlo several, several years ago. Lubin has been has looked sensational. He's won six in a row. Got the great win against Jason Rosario last year. And before that, he was beating Terrell Gachet and Daniel Gallimore. I mean, he's been... I think he's improved dramatically. And he, provide, and he packs quite a punch at the level that Fundora has yet to experience. No offense to Sergio Garcia or Jorge Cota or any of those guys. But he hasn't really fought a guy with... Potentially devastating power that uh, like Erickson Lubin. Now Lubin's not, you know, the strong say the strongest puncher, 154 p- uh, pounds, but he certainly packs quite a punch, more so than any guy that Fundora has uh, has faced so far. And so this is a very interesting fight, to, uh, for lack of a better word. This fight will not be as boring as Lubin's fight with a uh, Terrell Gashaw. This is going to be a very entertaining fight. Um, once again, and you, well, this is the third fight we mentioned this weekend that could be all fireworks. I'm looking forward to this fight. I predict Lubin will win either a tough decision or a late stoppage because uh, I think finally Fendura's run comes to an end as, as this is easily the best and toughest fighter he's faced. And I'm not sure if his skill set is enough to overcome Lubin's skill set. Hmm. I'm going to go with a pretty bold prediction here. And this may be a bit of a cop-out. I don't care. I think this fight ends in a draw. I could see that also. I think, I think Lubin struggles a bit in the early going with Fundora's length. And I think Fundora is going to take a lot of advantage of that in the early going. But if the fight goes on, I think uh, Erickson Lubin is going to figure out Fundora. And I think he's going to be able to dominate the second half of the fight. But I but I also believe that, you know, this is a fight that will... I think most observers will say a 7-5, maybe even an 8-4 fight. But I am going to say it's one of those fights that could really end in a majority draw, and probably the one uh, the one judge gives uh, gives Lubin the car uh, the uh, the the lone winning scorecard, overshadowed by the other two draws. You know, it's funny if that result happens, that will help alleviate a situation with the Charlo Castagna winner, because then you don't have an automatic WBC mandatory right because it's a draw they'd have to do a rematch and they can go the winner of castagna charlo go ahead and fight tim zoo yeah yeah that would alleviate a little bit of it now obviously yeah. there's still uh bakhtar uh, mortisaliev who's the ibf mandatory challenger but yeah, that's true too yeah but i mean but it's an easy but three, it's a much easier to deal with yeah, than you know yeah, with yeah. versus a yeah. situation guys. where you also got right. a mandatory from the wbc right right so that is your weekend uh, preview. There's a lot of fights on this under uh, on this weekend's shows. And uh, before we kind of end things here, uh, do want to shout out a couple of results that occurred over the weekend. Uh, Savannah Marshall defended her WBO middleweight title with uh, against Femke Hermans with a devastating left hook to the temple. Essentially, it knocks her out. Essentially, sets up the potential fight the grudge match against Clarissa Shields and then in Mexico we had a really good uh 
WBC Women's Bantamweight title fight between Yulian Luna and Mayeli Flores that was on ESPN+. Plus. That was a pretty good fight. I recommend uh, if you don't have a... If you want a good women's fight that's occurred recently, I would go out of the way and check out that one because that was a pretty decent fight. So, there was a, not, not a ton of big boxing, but there were a few uh, world title fights on the women's side of things. So, overall... Just wanted to point that out. Robert, was there anything else that you wanted to discuss or you had questions about? Before we go off the air and do our uh, uh, conclu- uh, our final thoughts to the listeners, what was the fight I forgot that happened earlier this year where you said that it was your uh, early contender for knockout of the year? You said that knockout was just a must-see. I mean, I, I blanked on it. Do you remember the fight you was telling me about? I believe it was a DAZN fight. It, I believe it was uh, the Kareem Gerfi fight, Jordan Gill. Thank you. Thank you. That's all I needed to know. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> if, by the way, if none of you, if you guys haven't uh, seen that uh, fight yet, I I mean, it was wild. I really do recommend you go out and watch the that fight between Jordan Gill and Kareem Gerfi was a really, really good fight, uh, highlighted by arguably the best knockout of the year so far, and also arguably the best comeback of the year so far. Uh, obviously, maybe overshadowed a bit by the Lee Wood-Michael Conlon fight, but before that fight took place, this was, in my opinion, the best knockout and the best comeback of the year. So, yeah, yeah. yes, an yeah. excellent and so- fight. So those would be your two top picks right now for both. So uh, I got to watch that fight. I totally forgot about it, and I thought about it when I was, I thought about, I thought about searching it out. I just forgot the fight, as you mentioned, were in the fight because I I recently rewatched the Wood Conlon fight. Yeah, that was a great fucking fight, man. Um, still puzzled by the scorecards. Uh, the knockout alleviated that, but damn, I, I don't understand the scorecards in that fight, but. Man, that was a violent, violent knockout. He knocked him completely out the ring. For those who haven't watched that fight, Lee Wood versus Michael Conlon, must see. Yes. Uh, and for those of you who, you know, you have your own subscription and you want to uh, look up the Garfi-Jordan Gill fight, it's it was back in February on the undercard of February. the Lawrence O'Coley yep. michael C-Slack fight. Don't don't watch that fight. Go watch the Jordan Gill Kareem Garfield fight because it's infinitely better yeah. than that main event. Because man, that was a stinker. That was hard. Main event. Yeah. Mm. All right, Robert. For the last time for a while, where can the good people find you on Twitter and read your work? Twitter, Robert Silva five seven six eight. Um, FightGameMedia.com, the parent website of this podcast and the patreon podcast i have a series of articles the 45 greatest fighters the last 45 years my number 17 b hop bernard hopkins was published last week and i'm almost finished with another epic article on my number 16 fighter of the last 45 years and that's the incomparable and soon to be inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. I think along right with Bernard Hopkins, Roy Jones, all these guys are being inducted the same night. All uh, right, uh, Carlos. Uh, James like so. James lights out. Tony is the next subject that you'll be reading about. That I'm almost done with my number sixteen of the last forty five years. And you, who you have? Floyd Mayweather, Bernard Hopkins, James Tony, Roy Jones. I Andrew believe. The, I believe Vladimir Klitschko was supposed to be. And so he's not gonna, I don't he's know not, that. I no. don't think that's He's gonna not going to be there. No, no. He's not going to be there. Um, he won't be in America anytime soon, unfortunately. Uh, man, if, man, if, it's a damn shame Emmanuel Stewart died. He he, he could have easily filled in and given a speech on Klitschko's behalf. I don't know who's going to give it on Klitschko's behalf now. It won't be his family. They're all in the Ukraine with him. Yeah. Maybe Sugar Hill? I don't I, know. That's what I was thinking. I'm yeah. thinking maybe Sugar Hill. Sugar have, Hill did work with Vladimir at the very end of at, his career. At the very it would have to be Sugar Hill. I can't think of anybody else. Yeah. Jonathan Banks? It's either Jonathan Banks or Sugar Hill. Those were his last trainers before he retired. 
Yeah, so I yeah, uh, that's who I would I would right now guess. I my money probably may probably Sugar Hill, but probably yeah, Sugar I, I'm curious yeah. how that's going to be uh, addressed if if it turns out Vladimir doesn't show up, which I think it's fair to say. Uh, don't expect him to be in kind of nah, he he won't be coming into America anytime soon. He's got a lot on his plate right now, and um, uh, my prayers go out to the Klitschko brothers and uh, Lomachenko. Um. They're fighting for their country. That's the least you can expect from three patriotic men. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they are far braver souls than many, many people who think they're brave. Uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He's Robert Silva. I'm Carlos Toro. Thank you so much for all of your patronage. Go support FightGameMedia.com, Fight Game Media Network on iTunes and all different places you can listen to podcasts. The Fight Game Media Patreon. Lots of great stuff over there if you're a fan of MMA and wrestling. Until then, this is Carlos Toro for the Pound for Pound podcast signing out. And hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Goodbye.